All right, so what I want you to do, all right, if you're a beach person, raise your hand, number one. Raise your hand, number one. If you're a, uh, if you're a city person, go number two. You want to. If you're a city person, go number three. Let's say number three. We got a couple threes. Oh, it said city twice? Oh, mountain, mountain people number three. Mountain people number three. All right, now, without saying a word, if you hold up one, hold up two, hold up three, just get in groups. If, you, if you're a city, beach, or mountain, get in groups real quick. Do that real quick. No words, no words, no words, no words, no words, no words, no words. All right, within your group, now you can talk within your group. Within your group, answer this question, all right? If you're a mountain person, what mountain? If you're a beach person, what beach? And if you're a city person, what city? Go ahead, talk amongst yourselves. You got like five minutes or two minutes, three minutes. Whatever I decide. I'm in charge now. All right, two more minutes. All right, let's start wrapping it up. Start wrapping it up. I'm a city person, by the way. City. Like city. Uh, I, it is a dream of mine to go to Rome. I want to go to Rome. In Albuquerque, New Mexico. I love Albuquerque. So, Such a weird place. Is this being recorded, the, the weirdness of Albuquerque? Everyone there can be mad. So. All right, let's uh, make our way back to our seats. I just think it's super important. It's super important to get to know the people you're with. Super important. What were y'all, beach people? Well, beach. It's a nice one. It's a good beach. Hey, Lynn, this fell off. Can you give me another? Just starting to, starting to, the wound is opening up again. I will tell you the story. I'll tell you the tale. No, I'm not going to tell you the tale. I'm so embarrassed by it. So we don't have time. We don't have time. Well, it is. All right. Uh, what, what happened earlier today is I had a knife. and, and No, it wasn't on the lathe, actually. Oh, well, this is even more epic. So, Yeah, shark, if you know my son. No. Uh, I was opening a thing, and I jabbed myself, and uh, that's really the extent of it. And so, But I, if you actually go, go earlier, I told a really epic part of it. Like, I stabbed my... Uh, I stabbed my uh, uh, vital organs only three feet away in my finger, you know, and it's like it was all these great elaborate stories, but uh, yeah, so it's kind of anticlimactic, but yeah, I stabbed myself, okay, that's what happened, so, and it wasn't a little stab, it was literally like, like, uh, have you ever seen like, like Ricky Bobby, like it was like in there, and I was like, I'm going to need to cut around the meat to get this out, you know, like, I mean, it was like one of those really bad things, so. And so, uh, yeah, so you can, you're not going to hand it to me? At least, uh, you're going to make me go? Oh, that's your boundary? It's already come back to bite me, so. (laughs) So, all right, boundaries and yourself. Well, okay, these are actually, believe it or not, these are some of the hardest boundaries set up. You know, like tomorrow we'll be talking about people and friends and family and dating, and you're like, oh yeah, these are really good. But anytime we talk about boundaries for self, you're like, man, that doesn't apply to me at all. Why is that? Why is it that's the route we go with those things? 
I don't need them. Yeah. Hey, there you go. So you need another perspective? Whoa. It's hard, hard to die out of body oneself. And out of body, yeah. <laughs> I'm not asking for weird stuff, Tyler, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know? It's, it's hard to ask for directions when you're driving while you're driving. It's true. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it's, it's so true, though. Don't we need to change? You know? Don't we need to? Don't we need to, uh, to to get it out? So why is it? Why is it this one? We're always looking at it and going, mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, you know. There's a song out there. I grew up listening to the song. I would like to know what you think of this lyric. It says, "It's no surprise to me. I am my own worst enemy." What does that mean? Lit. Yeah. Someone like lit. Yeah. I know it was lit. Yeah. So why is that? Why is what does that song lyric mean? That's right. That's right. And do you know that we self-sabotage? You know what self-sabotage means? It means that something's going good, so therefore I need to destroy it. (laughs) And not just like, oh, I need to change it to where it's not going anymore. No, I need to screw this up so royally that there is no coming back from this. I'm going to self-sabotage this. What's wrong with self-sabotaging? What does it do? It only harms yourself, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right. It robs you. It robs people of the joy of you. Did you know you're a joy? Did you know you have something to offer? And I know you say no, but that's true. You you are, yeah. No, but that's our first response, and it's so true. Thank you for being honest, because we're looking and like I have nothing to offer. Who told you that? That's right. You don't need to listen to yourself. You know, uh, I, I, run a, I run across people a lot of times and they will go, like, I'm terrible. Well, what does Jesus say about you? He says, you're his workmanship. That's good. That's good stuff. We'll talk about that a little later. And uh, as you might uh, expect, we have actually a Mickey Mouse video that talks about... Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh. That talks about the dangers... Of not knowing yourself. All right, here we go. No subtitles in this one. All right, there we go. Much better. You know, like with boundary issues with self, what we struggle with the most is feeling things like joy and anger and and, and you know those kind of emotions, peace, and when you know we we get uncomfortable with those sort of things. So therefore, we don't want to jump into it. We just don't want to. Uh, we're afraid, like like Mickey, we're afraid that we're just going to lose control of everything, okay? And then everything's going to go downhill. Or you're going to be like Donald. Donald has a problem with bottling stuff up, right? And he bottles these things up to where it becomes overclosed. And you know what happens when you bottle stuff up, right? Sometimes a bottle's going to end, and then you're going to explode, and it's not going to be a very good thing. So what we got to look at is signs of out-of-control boundaries within yourself, right? If you're traveling on the road and the road says 65 on the side of it, what does that mean? Go 80? No. No. That is not what that means unless you, this, it's just a suggestion. What's the suggestion of the 65 on the road? 
to go 65. The only reason you know those things is because there's a sign that says so, right? Right? Actually, what's really funny is Kelsey one time got a speeding ticket, and this was in Portales, and uh, the speeding limit ticket was 20, and she was going 25, and the, the cop said, did you know it was 25? And Kelsey said, I literally saw no sign that said it was 25 or 20 miles an hour at all, so I went 25. And the guy said, everyone should know it's between Taco Bell and a quick trip, that that's where you go to 20. And Kelsey's like, no, I honestly didn't. There's no sign. <laughs> and what was really funny, she got it thrown out of court. You want to know why? There was no sign. <laughs> How do you know when something's wrong when there are no signs? So we need signs that show us that something's wrong within us. Something's not going just quite right. Um, some some uh, signs that uh, you are out of control, you have an out-of-control boundary, is eating. Both overeating and undereating, you have an out-of-control boundary within yourself. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny, when I, when I was younger, we had this movie, and in this movie, the guy said, I eat because I'm fat, and I'm fat because I eat. Like, man, that's a really horrible <laughs> circle of life right there, you know? But both chronic and binge overeaters suffer from an internal self-boundary problem. Overeaters, uh, it is if food serves as a false boundary, using food to avoid things like intimacy. And by self-sabotaging ourselves, we weight gain to be unattractive so, so we can be how we feel on the outside. Well, you know, my little sister, what she did is she would eat. She doesn't do this anymore. She's now married and everything. But there was one time when my sister was very, very overweight. And I'm talking about hundreds of pounds overweight. And, and she actually got down to a very slim weight. She lost all the weight. We're super proud of her. But she would say things like, the reason why I ate so much is because that's how I felt on the inside. And so I was going to manifest how I felt on the inside outwardly. And that is a sign that we have a boundary issue. Uh, you know, uh, another thing is binge, uh, binge eating. Uh, this is no, or not eating enough. It serves as false closeness. This comfort from food is less scary than the prospect of being in a real relationship. So this comfort of the release of whatever the food is or the release of not eating, it serves better than being in a relationship where boundaries would be necessary. So therefore, we set up our own boundaries, which is food. So food is a sign that, that eating is a, a control boundary. Another boundary is money recklessness. I can't be, <laughs> I love what, what, uh, what uh, Cloud and Townsend say in the book. It says money, they ran into a guy that says, I can't be out of money, I still have checks. What's really funny about you, most of you don't know what checks are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, I still have checks. Showing signs in many ways, impulse spending, careless budgeting, living beyond one's means, credit card problems, and chronically borrowing from friends is a, is a boundary issue. We, we can't enable others' uh, spending habits because of that. God intends money to be a blessing to others. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. Another verse that goes along with money that's very important, it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, not money itself. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. So God intends us to bless other people with money. The problem isn't our high cost of living. The problem is the cost of living high. That's the problem. 
The problem isn't you need a shirt. The problem is, is I must only get a shirt that's a designer shirt from this person. That's the problem. And so we, we look at those things and we go to those things that, you know, like I got a new pair of shoes, so therefore I feel better about myself, which serves as a better relationship than the people around me because I'm close to the objects on me. I don't want to be close to anyone around me. And so, so money is a very big, uh, big issue. Uh, some people are addicted to just spending money. I know, I'm one of those people. I love spending money. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> I know, like, people are like, I, I do. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it until I racked up this huge credit card debt that now my wife and I had to pay to get out of. Kelsey is opposite end of the spectrum. What's really funny now is that she's taught me how to budget and what's really neat about a budget is uh, I have more money than I ever thought I would. Um, and I don't miss out on anything that I, ever, that I have. And so if you're like me that you like spending money, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But it, it serves as a false, a false relationship to have. So money is a sign that we have out-of-control boundaries. Another out-of-control boundary is time, time abuse. Uh, I love Lewis Hector's uh, uh, quote about time. It says, time is a great teacher, but unfortunately, it'll kill all its pupils. (laughs) What a great quote. Time is a great teacher, but unfortunately, it kills all its pupils. This is when you always find the time to get away from things. The problem stems from one of the following things. All right, so, so we're trying to get away from, from people or boundaries uh, of setting it up. So it manifests in omnipotent, uh, omnipotence, having the unrealistic expectations of what they can do with the allowed time given. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a, I, I love watching cooking shows. I love those. And like, and we're going to make a cake. And like 30 minutes later, you have this cake. And I, I don't know if you've ever made a cake, though. It takes longer than 30 minutes, you know. And so in time abuse, we get into those things of going that I'm going to have all the time in the world. I have this hour of rest. So therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to clean the house and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to have this and I'm going to read this book and I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to do all these things. And you find out you don't have any of that time whatsoever. It's like, so we abuse it with omnipotence. Uh, another is an over-responsibility to others in time. This issue is thinking that they have to leave a party too early will cause the host to feel like you've abandoned them. <laughs> You know, like, uh, like I used to go to parties and like, well, I have to stay till the very end. Why? And, and I would always have, a, Kelsey was one of those, like, why do we have to stay to the very end of the party? And I would say things like, because I'm the life of the party. <laughs> and if I leave, who will be there? And I don't want to offend the person who's throwing the party. And Kelsey was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> But what it stemmed from was my need to just, I liked to be around people, and I liked people to think I was funny. I liked that. I liked the feeling that I got when I made someone laugh. It was over-responsibility to others when really, what was really funny is like, hey, I'm going to check out. Their answer would have been, cool, thanks for coming. When I think in my mind, they're going to be like, you ruined my life. (laughs) And you're almost sad when you get the, cool, thanks for coming. You're like, I didn't ruin anybody's life. I didn't do my part at the party, you know? So that's a way that we, of time, is an over-responsibility to others. Another thing that we abuse time, another way that we abuse time, is lack of realistic anxiety. They live so much in the moment, they they forget to plan ahead. You know that person? I've met that person. I don't like that person at all, where they, they live so much in the moment 
that you're like, hey, what are you doing for dinner? That's then. I don't even know. It's like, dude, it's 30 minutes from now. I'm going to go watch a movie. And you're like sitting there like, I don't, that's going to take longer. What? What? That's like, and so, and so we need to have a realistic, realistic anxiety about, about right now and also planning ahead. But you know, that's a boundary issue. That's a huge boundary issue when we're like, I just like to live in the now. I don't like to think about the future. Well, what's the problem with thinking about the future? There's nothing with it. It's just we don't like what we see, you know? Another thing that we, uh, time issue, and the last thing that time does, is uh, rationalization. They minimize the distress and inconvenience that others must put up with because of their lightness and carelessness. This boundary issue thinks, they're my friends, they understand I'm late. That's a boundary issue. Because you don't abuse your time, you abuse your friend's time. Clown Townsend tells this awesome story to where in, in the book where it deals with time, where a man was tired of being late because of his wife thinking, well, I am just going to be late. Or, you know, it, we're just going to be late because I need to make myself look pretty, and I'm going to make myself look pretty, and it doesn't matter what other people are because I need to show up on my time. And the man said, no, we're not doing that. And so he cl- talked to his counselor and he said, what do, we, what do I do? And they p- set up a boundary of they are going to leave, that he was going to leave at a certain time. He, said, he told his wife, I'm going to leave at 8, and if you show up at 8.05, I will not be here. And she said, how could you do this to me? Not thinking what, what she has done to him all these years. And he ended up leaving her a couple times before she got the fact that it was important to her husband to be timely and to respect others' time. It's a boundary issue to think that others just work on your time. They don't. They don't. And so time is a huge boundary issue. Another boundary issue is completing a task. Have you ever met someone that wants to complete a task and they're like, screw <laughs> You know? I love, that, that's so true. Man, that is like this, I really suffer from this one. Uh, Brent used to be, uh, <laughs> Brent, Brent used to be uh, my intern and we, we spent a lot of time with each other and we played a game that I didn't know I was playing. <laughs> it was like, it was like, and the game was where we would start talking about a subject and then I would just... And I'd come back and he'd be like, three seconds. And I'd be like, what? He's like, you were gone for three seconds. I hope you liked the trip. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'd sit there like, I was gone? <laughs> you know? But it made me realize I did that a lot. And it was, it's a boundary issue. I self-sabotaged myself in thinking that I can get things done. And then when things got done and, and thinking that then I'm not needed, I would have to re, I was resistance to structure around me. I was very resistant to the structure that was around me. And, and you know, and this is, Clown Townsend say this about people who are resistant to structure, is that Resistance to structure means you're a poor finisher and they feel like submitting to the discipline of a plan would put down into meaning to them. And it's like, no, that's, that's not what it is at all. But man, you know, when we, when we find out and we have that boundary issue of task completion, we realize that planning ahead isn't a, a, very, isn't a, isn't a bad thing at all. It's actually a very positive thing. Uh, another th- thing that we run into with, uh, with task completion is fear of success. We are over-concerned that success will cause people not to like them. So therefore, because I want people to like me, 
I'm not going to be successful. Yeah, huge thing. So it, it's, it's, saying that, it, it's saying that I'm not going to take the steps to get the better part of my job because I want my coworkers to like me better. And I, how would they like me if I'm their manager? Things like that. We can't have a fear of success. Uh, another fear of task completion is lack of follow-through. This is the excitement about a birth of a plan, but when the nuts and bolts get put to the plan, they hate the plan. <laughs> I'm so excited we're having a root beer kegger. How are we going to have a root beer kegger? Not my problem. <laughs> like That is not a very good way to run, a, run an event. It's not a very good way to run an event. We have to take control of these boundary issues, of over and under eating, of money recklessness, of time abuse, and completing a task. We need to take control of these things. And if these things are evident in your life, guess what? You are like everyone in here, and you have a boundary issue within yourself. It's okay. It's okay. You're, you're amongst peers. <laughs> That's why we're all here. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to tame the tongue. All right? That's a very important thing. It says in James chapter 3, verse 9, this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and a Father, and with it we curse human beings who we have been made in his likeness. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This verse is talking about how the tongue's hurt may show up in many ways around me. First off, it could show up by... Uh, talking nonstop to avoid intimacy. Have you ever met that person where you can't get a word in edgewise, but they sure want to tell you their life story over and over again? And at the end of that, you don't really feel like you know the other person. What you feel like is you've been, they've verbally thrown up their whole life story on you. You don't feel good at all. It's not a good thing. Another way that the tongue's hurt could show up is dominating the conversation and by one-upping the story. You ever met a one-upper? They're fun. They're fun. One-uppers are awesome. Like, I caught a fish this big. Oh, yeah, back in my day, I caught a fish this big. Yeah. Oh, yeah, back in my day, I caught it. You know, like, I mean, you know, one-uppers just, they one-up everything. And it, it gets to the point where that's actually, like, where, where the tongue is going on and where we talk about it, and we go from fur, further and further. And we, 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 what we're really doing is, like, I'm ashamed of who I am, so therefore I feel like I need to lie to embellish myself because who I am is an embarrassment. That's what we feel like with that. It's a really rough boundary issue. Uh, another t- way that the tongue can hurt is gossip. I don't know if you knew this, but gossip's a terrible thing. It's rough. And it can destroy months of hard work in someone's life. It can, it can do, it can, it's a terrible way. Another way that the tongue's hurt may show up, and this is Cloud and Thompson, not me, sarcasm. Did you know that sarcasm, I love that, I, you know, I've heard someone say it, I won't point any things, but my spiritual <laughs> gift is sarcasm. <laughs> the problem with that is it's not mentioned in the scriptures. You know, and sarcasm is a wonderful gift. I love sarcasm, I appreciate it. Seinfeld's one of my favorite shows. I love sarcasm. But it's when we hide behind sarcasm to avoid how we're feeling and feel like we need to mean the other person, that's when sarcasm becomes very dangerous. Another way that the tongue's hurt can show up is hostility. To where, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to, uh, you ever met someone that just, they just want to fight about anything and everything. 
And so, and then the last way that the tongue can seduce, or the tongue's heart can show up is seduce. To where it will just make up a story to where you fall in love with them or her, and then they'll drop you because it's all based on a lie. Those are some ways that the tongue can hurt and how we, we curse human beings is what Cloud and Townsend say. Proverbs ten nineteen says this, the one who talks too much will for sure sin, but he who is careful to what he says is wise. That's the last one. Uh, and then uh, another way... And this is actually a huge, huge problem uh, about uh, boundaries within oneself is sex. Boundary within oneself of how we deal with and how the problem is when a person who is caught up and feels deeply shameful and isolated, and, but they genuinely think that that's the only way to feel alive. You know, sex within oneself is one of these things where we look at a boundary issue and the church has been super silent for way too long on. And so to where, to where we look at when we go, uh, you know, we got some weird things going on in the church when it comes to sex. Uh, I, I love going to talk to youth groups and see what they think of it. And they say things like, well, I know it's bad. Well, that contradicts what God said in Genesis chapter 1 that it was very good. What do you think? God gave man, naked man, he gave him a gift of a naked woman, and the first thing I'm going to think is, gee, God, you're swell. (laughs) Adam was there the whole time making mates and said, a lion goes with a lion, a dog goes with a dog, a cat goes with a cat, and God gives him this beautiful gift of a woman, and he goes, gee, we're going to 1950 Mayberry this. That's swell, Father. No. He says something like, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's the reason I want to leave my mother and father. Everything. And I'm just going to cling to this woman. And God says, very good. Very, very good. The problem with sexuality right now is that it, it does. It, it f- makes us feel shameful and isolated is the way we've done it. But we genuinely think someone who's really caught up in sexuality and, and self-control is we think it's the only way to feel alive. And that is a lie. It's a lie. Um, it shows itself in many ways. Sexual problems, sex before marriage, drunken sex, uh, compulsive hetero and homosexual relationships, pornography, prostitution, exhibitionism, uh, child molestations, incest, and rape. This is a w- those are the ways that Cloud and Townsend say that this shows itself. These boundaries, uh, these boundaries less, be- uh, less behaviors become tyrant, they become demanding, and they become insatiable. You can never stop feeding them. No matter how many climaxes are reached, the desiree falls deeper and deeper into a despair over and over and over again. The church needs to get honest about sex. We do. We need to get honest about it. The main reason the world looks at us like we're crazy is because the church has this weird Puritan view on it. Uh, I lo- I, I'm actually banned from talking to a lot of kids about sex in high school. <laughs> Because I would say things, and they were like, we just want them to go away, and we want them to know that they're not supposed to do it. And I would come out, and I would say, marriage sex is way better in every which way than worldly sex. In every which way. And then parents would go, <laughs> And I would sit there like, why are you frustrated? You said it's good. And I was like, that's because it is. <laughs> It's wonderful. 
It's, a, it's one of the greatest things God ever put on this earth. And you get to experience it with the person that God, that you build so much intimacy with that it's incredible in every which way. It's amazing. And the church needs to start saying that because the world is saying, it's amazing, sleep with whoever you want. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have intimacy with anyone. You can just do it over and over again because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There's a whole city that built its population on that. We need to be honest about it. We need to admit that God's sex is way better than whatever the world can produce. There is no joy. Boundaries let, lets God proclaim that godly sex is way better than what the world can do. And improper boundaries proclaim God is wrong. And that's the real problem with this. It's because we're, not, we're no longer saying that it's good, you know, we're no longer saying that what God put on this world is a great thing. What we're saying is that God is wrong and my way is better than his. And that's not true. That's an improper boundary. And so uh, if that made you feel uncomfortable, wait till we get to dating. It's a lot more fun. So, right? <laughs> like, you know? Uh, why doesn't my no work? We have to admit that we, are, we aren't just our own enemy, that we have another enemy out there named Satan. And he is going to, in every which way, masquerade himself as an angel of light. And it's not surprising then, that it's, it's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as angels of light, for their ends will be their, what their actions deserve. That's 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15. How many times when we struggle in a low moment, we refer to ourselves as you? You know, what what I mean by that is this. Um, I've been in that moment, and when we talk about about actually sin, we're saying it deceives and it manipulates and it enslaves, like we talk about in Romans chapter 7. You know, when I look in the mirror and I'm feeling those low moments, I don't go, I don't go, Clint, I'm feeling very bad right now. I always look in the mirror when I'm feeling at a low moment, at a very sinful moment, and I look at myself and I go, you're worthless. Now, let's let's examine that for a second. You say, you're. When in the world do you refer to yourself in the second indication, in any which way? Do you ever go, Clint, you're hungry. Huh, I guess I am hungry. Or do you go, Clint, you're tired. Huh, I guess I am tired. No, I go, man, I'm tired. I'm going to go lay down. Man, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat. When we get in those moments when we look at ourselves in the mirror and go, you're worthless, I'm going to venture to say that that's spiritual warfare. And you have something whispering in your ear. Because every time I come to it and we say things like, you're worthless, you're worthless, you're worthless, I'll look in the mirror again and go, man, I'm right, I'm worthless. Why did I have to convince myself? Because there's something that's masquerading as an angel of light around me telling me lies. And spiritual warfare is a very real thing. If you don't believe me, just look at the, inc- the incident we just talked about. How many times have you looked in the mirror and said, you're? I don't believe that's you. I believe that's something kind of it convinced you of something. Realize that our, some of the boundary issues that we have are from our enemy. And we have a choice in dealing if we're going to listen to our enemy or not. You know you have a choice in that? Guys, right before you go to the computer and look at porn, did you know you have a choice not to do it? You have a choice not to do that. Girls, did you know before you were going to put on that dress where you are going to get a little extra attention? Or let's be honest, it's not even dressing where it's just a little low-cut V-neck shirt or whatever. 
You know, where you know you're going to just get that little attention because you need to feel good about yourself. Do you know that? You have a choice whether you're going to do that or not. And go, I already feel good about myself. Why? Because Jesus didn't die for no crap. He didn't do that. Jesus died for me so that I can experience life to the fullest. And that doesn't come in a shirt. And that doesn't come with a woman on, on a screen. That comes out of life realized in Christ when we have a boundary and we look at it and we go, yes, this is good. Why am I good? Because God says I'm good. Ephesians 2.10 says, I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What's workmanship? What do y'all think that is? What do y'all think workmanship? When he says workmanship, what do you think? Masterpiece, Masterpiece? okay. Like time, and energy. time and energy, all right. Okay. Perfection. Perfection. Okay. Ongoing process. Uh, if you ever come to my house, I might bring, bring it tomorrow because it sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, squirrel! Uh, no, you know, I like, <laughs> no I, I have something at my house that my wife gave me. It's one of my favorite paintings that she's ever done. It hangs on our fireplace. If you've ever been to our fireplace, and if you've ever been to our house, I've shown you this painting because it means so much to me. And, and Kelsey painted this on my 26th birthday, the day I completed P90X, graduated the program, and I threw up my back out the same day. And so, so I remember laying on the couch at my, my birthday barbecue with all our friends from Corpus Christi and her holding the painting over it going, do you like it? And going, I love it. I wish I could hug you. You know, like, I mean, like, it is my favorite thing in the world, this painting. And if you come in to my house and you destroyed it, you will get fought. Why? Because that's priceless. It's her workmanship created to do good works. And the works that it was created to do was to please her husband. You will, you will get a fight. That's the way God feels about you. That's the way God feels about you. You're not a mistake. Did you know that? You're not a mistake. Did you know that you have a purpose and you're put here for a reason? Not just that one instance when your parents got a little too hot and heavy and ended something. You're not just sitting here. You didn't end up here by random happenstance. You're here for a purpose and a reason because God thinks you can do something on earth for him. That's why you're here. And when you have that boundary, it's a remarkable, powerful boundary. When we, we withdraw from relationships, when my no doesn't work, we got to realize that we, aren't, that we aren't our only enemy, so is Satan. Another thing that we have to realize is we, we try to do it alone, our no will not work. When we withdraw from relationships that we need the most, our no won't work. Ephesians, or Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 4.10 says this, if either of them falls down alone, can, uh, can help the other, but pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Let me read that again. If either of them falls down alone, can help the other up, but pity the one who falls and has no one to help the other up. And so we can't do this on our own. You can't do no alone. You can't. No one here is a spiritual Rambo. Did you know that? Did you know Jesus himself wasn't even a spiritual Rambo? He chose to do it with people. He chose to allow people in and be in community with them and walk this life with them. He chose to do that. Uh, another way that our, my no doesn't work 
is when we try to use willpower instead of surrender to solve a problem. When we try to use willpower instead of surrender to solve a problem. If, if we just use willpower to solve a problem, we wouldn't need a savior, right? If we ju- the truth is, willpower against a boundaryless life is pointless. Romans, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and 19 this, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, For I do not uh, do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep on doing. Paul says he can't do it. So how can he solve and, and handle his problems? He ends the verse with Romans, 17, uh, Romans 7.25 saying this, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He, he doesn't try to handle these things in 18 and 19 by himself and through willpower. He handles it through surrender to Jesus Christ and saying, You got this and I don't. You got this. You know, you have this. Have you ever, have you ever done an event or you ever, you know, even not an event. Let's just say you want to go to family vacation, right? And you're like, God, I know the speakers down there are going to be speaking good. I know that I'm going to have a good time. I know that it's going to be a close and I'm going to get close to people. I know all of this, God. But if I just keep working on what I'm working with here, I believe I'll get there. And God's going, no, I want you to surrender and trust me and go with community. I want you to do that. You know, in all my years of doing this, I've never met anyone that ended up angry at God because they surrendered to to him. I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone that looked at God and go, I can't believe you did this to me. I trusted you. When they fully surrendered God and go, I'm yours, just use me. And they live a life that's incredible in every which way. Surrender is the most important boundary weapon we have. And we need to use it repeatedly. So, uh, we, we talked about a couple things in, uh, in, in uh, dealing with self and boundaries within self. And if you're struggling, if you're struggling with going, I've just got some stuff that I'm not sure that I can work out. and I'm not sure that I can, I can handle. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I would meet people who say, Clint, I just don't want to scare you with what's in my life. I just don't want to scare you. There's a book out. This is a really good book. Um, it was a Stephen King book called Sleep Doctor. I had to put it down. It was a little too real for me uh, at a moment. And in this part, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with this guy named Danny. And Danny was uh, the kid from The Shining. All right, if you know the movie The Shining or anything like that, he was the kid named Danny. And the sleep doctor was about Danny grown up. And Danny growing up would uh, encounter de- or demons and ghosts in his life. And what he would do is he would, incl- and he would encapsulate the ghost. He would put them in a box. And then he'd go to the dark recesses of his mind. And he would put that ghost into a, sh- into a little shelf. And then he- the ghost would scream and everything in the shelf. And he'd leave the shelf in the dark recesses of his mind. He'd go back through the door. He'd shut the door. He'd go back through another door. He'd shut the door. And then he wouldn't hear the screams anymore. And it was silent. And he lived his life that way. And what was terrifying about Sleep Doctor is because that's exactly what I did with emotions and feelings that I felt that were too real to handle. And I didn't want God to under, didn't want God and I didn't want community to touch. You know, talking to your wife about uh, 
sex, like being abused as a kid and how, how it felt and everything, I didn't want to come out and say those things. So what I did is I put them in the back recesses of my mind and I didn't want to touch them. And the scary thing about Jesus is Jesus says, let's go into that dark room together and that shines some light in a dark situation. And here's my promise to you if you're going through that right now, because I know I'm not the only one. My promises to you is there's nothing in your life that anyone, that, that I will not run away from and that people in your life that you know closely will not run away from. There's not anything in your life that can scare them enough away to say, I'm, I'm going to run the opposite direction. Those people are going to be there through thick and thin and you're going to know a community at the end of it. And you can have something that you've always thought that was just a lie, which is called healing. You can have that because I have that. And it's an incredible way. Boundaries with self is the most important thing. You've gone through a relationship and you've ended up in hurt and scarred. Guess what? You can still trust people because of Jesus. And you've gone through, you know, you've gone through some rough stuff as a kid, or maybe you haven't gone through stuff. I've met people who've gone through church and say, you know, I don't have, I don't have a story like that, Clint. I don't have a story to where, to where all these bad things happen to me. What can Jesus do in my life? You know what? There, are, I venture to say that you still needed a savior. Why? Maybe you have closed up some things in the back recesses of your mind because you don't want to go there. Maybe it was doubts. Maybe it was family. Maybe it was, you, you know, I'm, I met a lot of people who especially come to church who put their grandparents and what their parents say above what God has to say. Maybe it's that genealogy thing. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you that you don't have to be alone that you have a community here that can help you work through your self-boundary issues. And that's the beautiful thing about Donald and Mickey, too. I love this about them. Because where Donald went, so did Mickey. And you have that here. That's beautiful. Let's say a prayer, and then we'll end for tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you, God. And God, we just know that without a shadow of a doubt that, Father God, you, you have this and you have us. And that, God, we don't have to go through these boundary issues alone. That, God, that we can go through these, these things knowing that Jesus Christ beat them and that Jesus Christ isn't afraid of the things in our life. In fact, God, he knows better than anyone on how to deal with it. God, we love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for this weekend, Father God, and I know you're going to bring healing in amazing ways. I know you're going to bring boundaries in amazing ways, Father God. we got a lot more awkward things to talk about, and God, that excites me. Because only you can lead people through murky waters this way. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. Your holy name I pray, amen. Uh, today I was handed this fortune cookie. I thought I should share it because I thought it was really funny and I thought it was really appropriate for what we're doing today. It says, you do not have to know where you are going to be headed in the right direction. So you've, you've, uh, you've come to the right place. This fortune cookie said so. So, all right, you have a good night. <laughs>